Hey, everybody. Welcome to another week of No One Told Me, where hindsight is everything. My name is Callie, and every week we try to take a minute, or it's actually more than a minute, if I'm honest with you, but we want to talk about our stories, knowing they can shape those who come behind us. Over the past couple weeks, I've been in the process of moving, which is the actual word. I mean, I now understand why people pay money to hire professionals for this exact task. Anyway, on top of moving, we've had birthdays and we've started kindergarten. And I feel like I'm playing a game of dodgeball with my head just on a swivel waiting to see what's going to take me out because your girl is struggling to keep up. Do you all remember dodgeball? I mean, let's just take a second. The pressure and the stress. No, you can't really take the risk to run up and grab a ball. But also the moment you realize the crowd in front of you has thinned down and there's no one to hide behind anymore. And then you can't really catch and your reflexes aren't really great under pressure either. Honestly, I think I'm just reliving some trauma right now. These were my personal experiences. But yeah, like the heart rate and the random sweating is probably pretty accurate for how I'm feeling right now in this season. So getting to take a break for this conversation was welcomed, believe me. But if I'm really honest with you, which my gosh, if I'm telling you my dodgeball trauma, obviously I am. I don't really like the name of this episode. I don't even like considering the concept of it. As I fully realized too on the Enneagram, the thought of someone choosing not to like me, well now I just convinced myself I can change that, right? But the reality is there are times you'll run into people beginning all the way back in elementary school who just simply don't like you. Sometimes for a reason, sometimes for a season, or sometimes just because. And then there are people who won't be good for you. Relationships that you allow Yeah, you heard me. I said allow in your life that actually make you worse or they push you to be someone you don't really like. I didn't know what a toxic relationship was until I started learning who I was created to be. Now I get it. You don't always allow these relationships. At times you're stuck in them because it might be your job or it might be in school and you can't always hide from them. So how do you learn to function within them? How do you protect yourself A few weeks ago, my friend Sierra reached out to share her story about this exact topic, coming up against circumstances and people who are just flat out unkind and want nothing good for you. How do you keep yourself encouraged? How do you not believe what they say about you or get tangled in what they think about you? Because as you come to learn with time, sometimes people just won't like you. And let me be the first to say, that's okay. Actually, you're probably better for it, even if it's painful. Now, these are tough truths for me, especially, but I love the openness and the honesty of this conversation mixed with the actual fact that Sierra sounds like Miley Cyrus, seriously, or Delilah. Either way, she needs to be on the radio. Does anyone listen to the radio anymore? Does anyone even know who Delilah is? These are things I need to know. So please advise. Well, see, now we're starting to head down a path that will get us nowhere. So let's just jump into this conversation with my friend, Sierra. All right, here we are again. And guys, I've got my friend Sierra here. And let me tell you a little about Sierra. And I think this will spark something in a lot of you all who are listening. Sierra reached out and was like, I just keep feeling this prompting in my heart to share a little bit about my story and what the seasons of life that I walked through. And can I tell you, it's probably one of my favorite things when you all realize that your stories carry that kind of power. When you realize, hey, when I actually share this is when it's going to encourage and and push someone to take a next step. So Sierra, I'm so proud of you for even reaching out. Tell a little bit of your backstory, kind of what you love to do, a little bit of your everyday life, what 
kind of, you know what my favorite question is? What are your pet peeves? I don't know why I love this question so much, but I think it says a lot about a person. It like, does. What your it does. Pet well, I'm curious are. to see what you think about mine. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Go ahead. Jump in with us. Yeah. Well, first off, thanks for having me here. I'm super excited first just to get to hang out with you. You have a great radio and recording oh, voice. Thank you. Maybe it's I should very, jump into radio. I know. It's very Delilah. <laughs> I, I feel like make fun of myself because like I'll go to Food City or something and get groceries and they're like, oh, I, your voice is very deep. And I'm like, thank Thank you. I don't know what to say to that. And they're just like, oh, yeah. No, it just doesn't match what you look like. And I'm like, good. We're doing good. Glad I'm here. Glad we had this conversation. But yeah, I'm super pumped to be here. I've been living in Knoxville now for seven years, which I had to add that up when you asked me how long. And I was like, oh, that's. That's a while now. Oh, so where are you originally from? So I'm from Sevierville. Okay. 45 minutes down the road. Dolly's hometown. Doll- it's deep. Gosh, that's you. all you need to know. I actually went to the same high school as Dolly. Did you really? I did, did yeah. she ever come back and visit? Unfortunately not. I what high I- school did she go to? Sevier County. Okay, makes sense. Now she would come back to Sevier County, just the city. To and- see her statue? Exa- exactly. Oh. To take pictures with it. To go to Dollywood. <laughs> she has like a mansion, um, but... Oh, she I never was it. at the actual school when I was there. I love it. All I remember about Sevier County High School is we played them in tennis. Yeah. And I'm going to be real honest. It was the only team that I could like for sure beat. I love it. Because I wasn't a great tennis player. I love it. So. Well, glad I was not on the tennis team. I know. <laughs> I, I said that in hindsight. I was You're thinking, like, I really hope she was. team. <laughs> Joke's on you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so from Sevierville, 45 minutes down the road, um, went to UT, graduated in 17, uh, coming up on the four-year mark. So that'll be, that'll be weird. Listen. I, Leah and I had this conversation a couple episodes ago, but I think you'll forever feel like you just got out of college. Yes. Even when, like I'm over 10 years out. I feel like I'm on break and I just haven't gone back yeah. yet. I'm just waiting for my next assignment. And I still text my dance coach and I'm like, Hey, what are practices like this year? And I'm like, Oh wait, I'm, I graduated. Was that not the best time being on the dance team? Incredible. I mean, running through the power team yes. with the football, I was very scared. I would get trampled, uh, but I were never you did. in front of the team. I was. So, so if you slowed first, down at all? Yeah, you got to run fast. We had an athletic trainer at UT, and he was like, guys, you got to work on your sprints because you, you have to be fast to be in the front. So uh, my actual goal for all four years of college was to not fall. And Absolutely. your girl did it. I did not fall. We are good. <laughs> I, I think I would have cried while I was running because I'd been so scared. Yeah, like so exciting, so coming? thrilling, but so scary at the same time. Yeah, but I mean, dancing at UT, as you'll learn, was my absolute dream. And I got to do that for four years and absolutely loved it. Is it hard to sit in the stands after being on the field? The very first time I was about to go, I was in the closet bawling because my sparkle dress wasn't there. So which sounds a little silly, sparkle dress, but we make fun of our own selves. It's fine. But I was like looking for it and I was like, oh my gosh what am I supposed to wear to games? I was always told what to wear for four years. So what do girls wear? Can I tell you that that was a no one told me moment for me in college. The first football game we went to, I was wearing like a Mm t-shirt and jeans shorts. Mm -hmm. And I thought this will do. This will be fine. And then you roll up on a tailgate and it's like full on outfits. Yes. Like Like ball gown. Not really. The cutest. But I might as well have been. I was like, this is the work we have to put in to go sweat in the stand. Yes. And so from then on, I just had to go find, I never Mm -hmm. wore a t-shirt again because I was was like this isn't and then but at basketball games you're wearing a t-shirt i don't right. understand the rules and they throw out t-shirts to you yeah we don't we don't know the guidelines for all of i don't it. know it's how fine. that worked but i just remember being like can everything have a dress code just a general and you know guys make fun of girls for texting hey what are you gonna wear this is why it's helpful though this is guys why. need to do it more often they were good gosh my sweet husband if he wears crocs <laughs> out one more time i'm gonna hide his crocs when we move i'm gonna oh, hide him man, in my bed. crocs 
Crocs. He loves them so much. That's, they're comfortable. I don't That's own all any. he always says. They're comfy. He says, I don't wear them for style. I wear them for comfort. And I was like, you were only 30 years old. Yeah. You sound like you're 50. Wear tennis shoes. It's okay. I've got ideas for you. So graduated from UT. Yes. Danced. Kind of lived your dream out. Yeah. So after college, I graduated and started doing dance competitions. Um, but now, actually, I'm a coordinator for leadership development events. What are some of your favorite things to do? Well, dance, obviously. I still dance now, um, 25 years into it, and I absolutely love it. Truly, I would ask, if God was like, Callie, what do you want me to gift you to do? Like, if he was like, what do you, what's something that you just cannot do? I would want to sing and dance. Sing. Yeah. I wish I could sing. My dad thinks I can, but I think he just like can't hear. Um, because he used to, my dad plays guitar and he'll always be like, sing with me. Come on, just sing with me. And I'm like, dad. Yeah, that's I can dance. I can't sing. I believe you could sound like Miley Cyrus if you sang. Me? Because you have a similar voice voice. to her. People used to tell me I talk like her. So it it just occurred to me when you said guitar. Hmm. Also, a random show was on TV today and it had Billy Ray Cyrus. And so now I'm just thinking about Miley. The whole show is actually going to be about that today. We're not even talking about anything else. We're going to take a turn to the left. Tell me what you feel about the Cyrus family in general. (laughs) I love it. I love it. But yeah, so um, I still dance. I work with girls every now and then. If if they have dreams for a college team, I absolutely love coaching them. Mm. And just being someone that I wish I would have had Mm -hmm. to ask questions. So I'll go take dance classes every now and then still. Definitely not as good. I'm aging. That's for sure. Um, At the worst moment when you realize I can't do these things yeah like it's I, like oh you envision it in your head you're like I can definitely still do this and then it just doesn't work but yeah my boyfriend lives here he just moved here actually a year ago next week mm. we where did he come from Columbia South Carolina okay. is where he was at for work how did you meet him this is a very random story but a mutual friend of ours was getting married and it was three days before the wedding and their photographer canceled I'm not a photographer That's the worst so no one please hire me but I photographed the first portion of the wedding Um, but Ty was in the wedding and we just hit it off and kept talking and hanging out. And I mean, we never quit talking after that. And how long were you long distance? Uh, a little over a year and a half. I, so Ryan and I were long distance. We met in high school, dated through high school, and then he went and played ball in Memphis. I stayed in Knoxville at UT. Yeah. And so for four years we were long distance and I look back and that feels like an eternity of time to Mm -hmm. be long distance, but it was the best thing. I loved it. It was so healthy to have to start a relationship that way. Yes. Because the only way you can get to know each other is through talking. Yes. It's your only you option. Ha- you have to be dedicated. Yeah. You learn really quickly if someone's dedicated or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Share a little bit of what it was like for you leading up into your college years. Most definitely. So as you guys have all heard at this point, I've been dancing my entire life. So how I got into it was my grandmother, huge Elvis fan, loved him, which most people are, mm-hmm. but would play that when I was a little baby, just in diapers. And apparently I would just bebop around to Elvis. So right then and there, she was like, she's going to be a dancer one day, but I've been doing it my entire life. And for anybody who's danced or really done any sport, whatever you do consistently becomes your second home. So for me, my dance studio was, I mean, we had sleepovers there, so it kind of was like a home. But all of the girls there became my best friends and ultimately became my sisters. We knew everything about each other. I mean, imagine growing up with someone since you were three, Mm -hmm. going to every class, school, dance recital, everything with them. They are your closest people. Mm -hmm. When we got older, got into middle school, I remember I went to my first UT basketball game and I didn't watch the game the entire time. I, my eyes were locked on the dance team. So sixth grade, set that as my goal, started training, didn't know what exactly college was or what that looked like, but I knew that's what I wanted to be a part of. Mm -hmm. As we got older, all the girls, I mean, as you know, with groups of girls, 
for anyone who's seen Dance Moms, it's a real thing. It is. I'm not kidding. Yeah. I'm a it's reality real. TV like fan mm-hmm. and I watched that show and it was almost painful to watch. It's it not was, dramatized. It's, it's legit. So that started happening to us. The moms would get upset when their daughter didn't win. And when we'd be at competitions and somebody got noticed and their daughter didn't, they would get upset. So then the girls would get upset and it just turned into this battle that was not even an enjoyable anymore. Mm-hmm. And it made you not regret doing dance your entire life, but wondering like, am I supposed to be with this? So it was tough because girls that had been my best friends forever, we all started having like this weird vibe with each other. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was, I guess it was my parents, the way that they raised me, but it was so easy for me to be happy when they won and walk up to them and be like, good job. I'm so proud of you. And they would look at you and just be like, okay, are you kidding? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh no, that wasn't sarcasm. I'm really happy for you. But it, I don't know. It's just a weird world it's to be a part so of. It's so odd. And I don't even think it's there that that happens. I think especially women in general it's, yeah. struggle with this sense of competitiveness. It's weird. And the thing that is the most life-giving is when other women are encouraging each other and are mm-hmm. like, hey, you are doing it. You're doing an incredible job. How can I hold you up even more? How yep. can I push you forward? It's almost like that's not the norm. Mm-hmm. You have to work toward that. We believe there's only a limited space. Yeah for everyone to get attention. And if we don't get it all ourselves, then then, something's wrong. Then something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Or if someone else gets it, it means it detracts from us. And that's never the case. Right. And And it's such a good point that starts in high school when you're babies. Yeah. But my mom, luckily she kind of did raise me that way. Mm -hmm. And it, it almost creates a, just a sense of peace when you're going about things and somebody else gets something. It's like, that's okay. I'm happy for you. My time will come Mm -hmm. or maybe my time won't come, but whatever God has intended for me, it's going to happen. I wonder if that comes from that deeper place of, um, for anyone who follows Jesus, it's almost like you have a seat at the best table you can already have. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you do or don't get other things because you're always, yeah, you're always moving in a direction of knowing your value and your worth. And it's, if you can establish that peace early on, like your mom did with you, if you can establish that early, then it doesn't bother you one bit to see the success of someone else. I think that's honestly, I've, wholeheartedly believe that's what it is. You know, we hear this word a lot and I think that's what you're getting at even in this dance scenario, but it's bigger than that. But that bullying word, I can think of moments Yeah, because I was a bigger kid in elementary school and I had two older brothers. And so I would, I learned quickly that if I make fun of myself first, mm-hmm. no one else can make fun of me because yeah. I've already, I've beat them to the punch. So they'll leave me alone. And yeah. that's how you become like the It'll funny be okay. kid in class. Yeah. It's truly, it was like my mindset. Yeah. Like if I, if I point out what's wrong with me before you do, then, then no one else can. Yeah. You can't yeah. come for me at that point. But, but this bullying word, we just hear about it and we think that's elementary school, middle and high school days. But the and truth of over. it is, yeah, yeah, like you're past it, you move on. You're always going to face people who just don't treat you with the kindness that you deserve your entire life. Right. I mean, it can happen in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. It can happen in college with uh, other classmates, professors. It doesn't just go away when you graduate high school. So that tell us a little bit about like this, what you walked through and then how you've carried those lessons to now. For once I set my dream in middle school, I knew what I wanted, and I think those girls focused on tearing me down confidence-wise so I couldn't reach that. And right before senior year of high school started, it just, things took a turn for the worse. And I don't know what I did, and I still to this day, I wonder if there was something that I did. But the girls just, I, I mean, I would show up to school scared because they would do things to my car, or they would put things in my locker, or they would intentionally make sure there was no seat for me left at school at the lunchroom or the things that we always did together. They now were leaving me out of. 
it was almost like I was abandoned and I had no friends anymore. And Twitter started when I was a senior in high school. Oh, and social media. Yeah. So they used Twitter against me and they started tweeting things about me on Twitter. Well, I didn't have it, so I never saw anything. And the worst thing that happened to me, and this still, like, I say it, and I'm like, Sierra, that's not true. That didn't happen. We used to always have these big bonfires. And when we were there, they were going around the fire just mocking me and just mimicking me and making fun of me. And so I was like, okay, well, you know what? I'm used to this. I'll just, I'll turn my cheek and I'll be fine. But then they started coming and talking to me and, like, backing me towards the fire and I learned later that night that their intentions were to push me in the fire. And at this point was when it hit me and I was just broken. Mm-hmm. I was crushed. I would come home crying every night. I would be crying walking to my car out of my house because I knew I had to go to school and face whatever was coming that day. And I was scared to go to dance practices. I just wanted my senior year to be over. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who's gone through anything like that, you know how it feels when people single you out. Mm-hmm. But for me, it happened for a year and a half and it never stopped. Mm-hmm. And it felt like the entire school was against me. And that's what, I mean, even as a parent hearing this, and I'm sure the pain that your parents were in oh watching and knowing there's not much they can do right. to change what's happening. Yep. But I think about what kind of kids do I want to raise? Even in those scenarios, my prayer for Hayden and Henley is that they are influencers that are built in kindness mm-hmm. and they look at people and they think, what can I do for you? What mm-hmm. can I do on your behalf or yeah. whatever else? And to think that, I think it's hard as a kid, I get it in high school to stand up and be the one who's like, no, this is not okay. Don't do this. I, I hear that. And I think one, that's not true. Real. There's no way. Right. But then you literally lived it and yeah. walked through it. And there are other kids, especially when it comes to even the cyber side of it, where rumors are getting spread faster than ever, yes. or pictures oh are goodness. getting shared faster than ever. Yes. And the world that they have to live in right now. It's exhausting. It is. Yeah. And it's like, how do you manage it? And how do you get into this deep emotion like you said starting into depression which you probably didn't even know it because you're just yeah a I was like what school. what am I feeling what is this yeah so how did you navigate that and yeah. then how did you on the other side say okay I am better for it and here's how here's yeah. how this has made me different in better ways so I just remember I knew that I'd heard stories in Sunday school of other people getting persecuted in the Bible and I mean Jesus himself mm-hmm. so I was like okay if God loves me and this is his life he's living he wouldn't do this or allow this to happen if there weren't going to be good that came out of it. Mm-hmm. So I held on to that. I my bedboard for my bed or what is that called a headboard. bed frame headboard? I'm with you. Whatever, you call it whatever you want to. We all Perfect. know it's, it's my story. In our head. Yeah, um, it still to this day has just scraps of paper with Bible verses and pictures and just quotes that I hung on to, and I would cry myself to sleep every single night. And so would my mom because she could hear me through the walls and it's all I could do not to cry. Mm -hmm. But I would cry falling asleep, meditating on whatever the Bible verse was that encouraged me most that night. Mm -hmm. I would write new ones. I would just dive into the Bible. There's not a specific point there that I remember thinking, I'm going to turn to the Bible for this. Mm -hmm. It just naturally happened. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful I was raised in the family that I was because it was natural. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a, I found God then. I knew him before that. Mm -hmm. But our relationship was completely developed then. So I clung on to the fact that whatever this was, was creating my testimony and that I was going to be able to share it one day and save others from the same thing. Mm. So that's what I, that's what I hung on to. I think we lose sight of the power of scripture and of truth and of how it can transform your heart. And, Mm -hmm. and it's not just, you find one verse 
one day and it's like, this is good. I'm going to move on. Yeah. But it's reclaiming these truths and reminding yourself of these truths that does something to your heart and your mindset Mm -hmm. because you know, these have been the truths for thousands of years for every generation. And it's something that the generations before you held on to and they're still holding on to. And it's just that you got to claim those over whatever lie, because I think the enemy likes to use these emotions and whatever's happening in your life to convince you that you are less than that, that dream you're pursuing. You can't, you're not worth it. it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do it. No one thinks you can Mm -hmm. look how they treat you. Your friends don't even think you can. So why would you think you're worthy of being a part of that? Yeah, exactly. And the ultimate goal in this world is always going to be to defeat you. And you know, it's just the world. He is so smart. And he knows the part that's going to, hurt you the most and if you feel abandoned and alone he's gonna talk even louder Mm -hmm. yeah because he wants that but when your instinct is i'm gonna claim scripture even it's guys the bible app even if you open that and are like i'm gonna pick a couple verses to claim surround yourself with it start somewhere yeah it's okay you don't have to open a huge bible and memorize 30 verses start with one thing Mm -hmm. that comforts your heart and do exactly what you did anybody who knows me well knows that i have um probably close to a hundred journals i journal every day i do gratitude journals I journal when I do studies, I journal things how I was feeling that day. I just get it out of my brain. But over and over again, I'll just find verses that pop up. I just have a journal that's just verses and it's dedicated to things that are getting me through that certain moment. So I'll write down the verse and I'll journal about whatever it may be of how I'm feeling Mm. because there's been so many times I can look back at one of my own journal entries and be like, oh my goodness, I already went through this. Sierra, be stronger than that. And learn from myself almost, which is really weird to say. Well, that's the hindsight piece. I mean, mm-hmm. we say even about this podcast is that hindsight is everything. Yeah. And when you have it, and then when you can share it with someone else. is incredible. It just means that you're making their journey a little bit easier. Yes. To know that someone else has felt or is feeling exactly. what you feel. And anybody can spit out quotes mm-hmm. or find Pinterest scriptures or, sure. but like when you go through something the story is just so much stronger. The story that's attached to that yes. scripture, the story that's attached to that quote right. is what makes the difference and how it changed your life. Now, you mentioned that somewhere along the way, you found yourself convinced that you yes. deserved that treatment. I mean, you even said, I still sometimes wonder, what did I do yeah. that set this off? Or that you had to be the one that fixed it instead of just letting the people causing the harm carry the blame for their actions. So how did you overcome that mindset? I mean, I know... For me as a two on the Enneagram, a helper, I will carry other people's emotional baggage for for them. You know, I take empathy 10 steps too too far. far. Yep. And so if I feel it from them, then I'm number one feeling like, what did I do to make you feel this way? And how do I fix it? So you don't feel that way with me anymore. That's what I was just about to say. What can I do? Yes. You know, like, so how do you overcome that? That sometimes people are just not going to treat you fairly. So for me, what helped me overcome that was that I hit my lowest point in life. And I know to some people, they're probably like, well, that's not very encouraging. That's not what I wanted to hear. But unfortunately, I loved them so much that I realized I was the piece of the puzzle that the devil was using to bring them to their lowest point. And I also saw my parents suffering through it. So my thought as being an emotional teenage girl, I was like, you know what? I'm the common factor here. If I just remove my life, then their lives will be better. So I contemplated taking my life for a very long time. Majority of my senior year was thought of, if I were just gone, this would be easier and they could have a better life without me. But then I realized I was like, nowhere in the Bible does it say that God encourages us to do that. And I knew that I was gonna be a light to whoever I was around because God called me to be. And I knew that doing that was not an example for anyone. So I was broken and I was so 
in such a dark place that that's what made me realize it wasn't my fault. It wasn't anything that I had done. I was loving them the best that I could. So it was a moment of just finding my worth and knowing who I was in God and knowing that he had me here for a purpose. And I wish I could say that things get better once you go through it and that it's over and you go through something once and then it's just done and you never have to go through that trial or tribulation again. But the fact of the matter is, is that it never stops, whether it be bullying or anything you go through, you just get stronger if you cling to God. And for me, that's what happened. My, I wore my heart on my sleeve in high school and now I have such thick skin and I'm so resilient and any type of change or anything that comes towards me, I know I find a peace in it knowing that God's got me and it's a part of his story and that it's going to make me stronger no matter what I go through. So clinging onto that and just knowing, and I keep saying clinging over and over and over again, but it's just for me, a picture of surrendering to God and knowing that this is his life. He's living through me. It's not my life. It's not woe to me. Like this is terrible. I'm going through so much. It's okay, God, here's my life. Take with it what you want to do. I trust you. Well, and even the word clinging, I mean, I think visually it brings to mind like a desperation and it's almost like when we are at our lowest or when mm-hmm. we are struggling the most, it's when our desperation comes out. Yes. It, it is when we realize our desperate need for that relationship with Jesus, because it's the only thing that is floating us through. Yes. And there's just something about feeling isolated from the other people who were choosing to love you yes. and then decided not to love you anymore. It is the most isolating feeling, whether it it's friends or a broken relationship or whatever. It you feels just feel like, completely broken. Yeah. The people who chose to love you are choosing not to. What did I do? What did I do? Yeah. How How can I fix this? I'm so sorry. Yeah. And I remember asking them that so many times. What did I do? And they would just roll their eyes and walk off. And I was like, no, I love you. I want to fix this. How can we get through this together? Because I will change if I need to. But it wasn't a fact of me changing. It was a fact of God saying, these people aren't good for your life. They're toxic. It's time for you to move on. And I think there's a healthy perspective in that too, of stepping back from it. I struggle with this a lot and it almost always happens at night when I'm trying to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. But when I look at some relationships that I feel like are struggling or that I needed to do something different in or whatever, I feel the conviction that, okay, I'm selfishly looking at this like them or this hurts me or this is what I'm doing. God fix it. And our prayers a lot of times come from the desperation for comfort. Like I heard yeah, Yeah. a good friend of mine was teaching and she said, um, you know, what are your prayers centered around? Are they centered around your comfort? You want God to change things to make you more comfortable Mm -hmm. to make you feel better because she was like, more so you need to step back at the situation and think what, what is God teaching me through this? Yes. And knowing that it won't go away immediately. How can I change me to be better within this scenario? You know? And I remember in high school, just praying for them. And it wasn't a prayer of God, please help them to stop doing this to me. It was just over and over and over again. God, please help them find you. Because for me, no matter how hurt I was, I was so hurt that they didn't have the relationship with God that I did, that they were so lost that they were causing this type of trauma to someone else because they didn't have God. So for me, I just remember praying over and over again for them, like, God, please bring them to you through this. So within that, my instinct would almost be bitterness Mm -hmm. a little bit, you know, even through it, I would look back and 
Um, I remember even I ran into someone that I went to high school with at the gym one day yeah. and this person was just very unkind in high school and they weren't unkind to me. I just saw their unkindness to a lot of other people and it somehow in my heart that I didn't even know it existed. I saw mm. them and I was like, Oh gosh, like, oh, I don't want to see you. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I want to go the other way. I wasn't meant to be here today. And it, yeah. And it was such a moment of conviction for me because Jesus was like, you don't know who this person is anymore. Yeah. Like you don't know who they've become. You don't know what work I could have done in their life and you're running the other way. How did a root of bitterness not plant in your heart? Because I think that's the easy thing. And mm-hmm. the thing about bitterness is even if you open the door a crack, it, it swings the whole door open it and flows. is rooted. Exactly. Yes. I'm not going to say that I wasn't when it happened, but I think what it took was just letting go and knowing that I had no control over the situation and reaching my dream. So I left the studio that I was at with those girls and I went to a new one that of a family that just so much joy and like they showed me what true relationships were supposed to be like. But I realized when I made the team that looking back, it was a snowball effect. If, if they wouldn't have bullied me, I would have never left that studio. If I wouldn't have left the studio, I wouldn't have been prepared for the trials at UT. If I wouldn't have made UT, I wouldn't have lived out my dream. And who knows if I would be talking to you today or where I would be. But when I was able to reach that and see the good that God intended through the mess, I was able to let it go. And I was able to realize that while you intended this for evil, God totally had this in the background and his hands were in it. And he was putting the pieces together for a beautiful story in the end. So when I reached my dream and I lived out my four years at college, when I looked back, I honestly was more thankful for how they treated me than anything I'd ever experienced in life, which is so weird to say, because in the midst of it, I held on to that hope of just hoping that God would make good out of it and like, trusting him, but also kind of, I mean, everyone has those hesitations, but when I saw the good and what he had completely created for me, I was like, okay, God, I will never, never question why I go through anything again, because I know that you're going to have a good story come out of it. And that's honestly most struggles that you walk through or trials that you face, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, you're just thinking, I know that all of this can work for good. Mm -hmm. I know your, your scripture says it. I know that that is truth, but I do not see how you're going to do it. Right. And like the pain and those emotions settle in on you and you think there's no way you can take this. Gosh, and it just weighs down on you. Yeah. And you're like, there's no way, there's no way. And then you get to the other side of it. And you just see this tapestry that was woven with each thread that was perfectly placed in each yeah. story and each terrible thing. All of it brought you to a point where it was like, I'm good now. Yeah. Like, I'm so thankful I went mm-hmm. through that. Mm-hmm. It's weird because I mean, I've even gone through things like my first job, it was a toxic relationship and I didn't necessarily have the best relationship with my boss, but because I'd gone through what I did in high school, I knew that God had me there to be a light on her and to show his love for her and for the people that I was around. And I just remember thinking though, but God, why am I going through this again? I just want to enjoy life. And I think what I'm learning now is that no matter where you're at, there's always going to be that quote unquote bully. There's always going to be someone or that thorn, whatever it may be, no matter what you run from or where you go to, there's going to be difficulties. So why not try to find the positive and be grateful in all situations and find joy? I think that's what I'm learning most is that life is full of trials and tribulations and tough times. It's never going to be perfect. But if it were perfect, we would never grow or learn from it. So because I have gone through such deep darkness, it's a joy when I see those things pop up now in my life because I know that God is creating something awesome on the other side of it. 
it's so funny we're talking about this now because um, in preparation for Sunday at my uh, full-time job, you know, the conversation we're going to have is about the struggles that we face and that whole concept that we always say the struggle is real, but the problem is we don't really understand what the real struggle is. We don't look deeper past the surface stuff that we're walking through, that we're struggling through. And instead of talking about our struggle and Mm -hmm. trying to get real down deep at what the root of it is, we're looking at everyone else's struggles. This is your struggle and that's yours and that's your, you know, we're deflecting. Yeah, I'm good. You don't need to see mine or I don't want to talk about it and how Jesus looks at us and is like, I want you to get to the root of it. I want you to go deeper into it and look at what the real struggle struggle is. And then I want to know what you're going to do about it. What are you going to do different? And then, you know, you said it, you're always going to walk into something that will pull you back down into the root of your struggle, whatever until you own it. Yes. Until you say, this was my deepest, darkest place. And it's maybe who I am and I'm stronger because of it. But if you just continue to I mean, I've seen people who continue to push it back and just don't acknowledge it. And you kind of lose who you are. What we were working toward is exactly what you just said, is that when you are a follower of Jesus, you are always going to go into situations that will pull you back to your Mm -hmm. struggle. You might feel like you have overcome it and feel like you have made it through to the other side and you have conquered it. And the strength that you found in your relationship with Jesus has got you through it. And then that one thing just pulls you back down. Exactly. You're going to walk right back into another, like you said, you walked into a new workplace and you were right back where you were. And you thought, God, I already did this. Yes. I have been here, done that. I crossed the finish line. I'm done. (laughs) But it's always going to be that. And I don't say that as like a sucks for you guys. Hey, everybody, it's never going to get better. Yeah. But it's when you plant your feet in the hope of Jesus and you know, these truths that you you can can find the joy in it over and over your whole perspective shifts to the point where you're like, you know what? This is okay. okay. Yeah. Because I know it's all going to be good. Look at the story I already have. Yes. That's already worked for good. And look where I'm going. And, you know, we talked a lot back and forth on email. um, And you mentioned something that stuck out to me. You said you wanted to be happy for others' successes. Mm -hmm. And we even talked about this towards the beginning of the podcast. And this is so big for me. I learned it with the launch of this podcast is the power of people believing in you. Yes. And telling you you can do this. Like whatever the hard thing is that you think you can't do, you can. And so much of our ability to take next steps into our future comes from those people who believe in us. And how did you see that in your own life? And how would you encourage other people in a world that just feeds, like we said, comparison and competition? How would you encourage other women in particular that I think it's hard for to lean into community and kind of spurring each other on instead of saying, why are you doing that? You yeah. can't do that. You know, like and just how like do beating you, you down. shift that? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, community is so important, Callie. And I think the biggest thing is having that group of women you can trust and just be real with. There is something so unique about having a group of women that you can open up with your biggest struggle, whatever it may be, like that you're having troubles getting pregnant or that you're never going to find a husband or that you got laid off at your job, whatever it may be, like having that group of women you can just sit down with and be like, guys, I'm not okay. I need you. And knowing that they're going to have your back, they're going to encourage you, and they're going to walk you through that. I think one big part of my story is that I had women who walked me through my struggles. When you go through things, I think the point that God wants us to get is that you're going to help somebody through this one day. And having a group of women that you can open up with and share those stories and you see the struggles they went through, you see how strong they are, and now you see the fruits they bear because that they because they focused on God through it. That's the fun part of being in a community that you can trust of Christian women that can lift you up. And why not have a group of cheerleaders with you that you can do life with? Because life is tough. And just because we have God with us doesn't mean that it's perfect. 
He didn't intend for it to be that way. He sees these struggles and he knows that it's going to make us stronger because there's going to be someone down the line that you're able to help. But there's been so many girls that I've been able to talk out of suicide or lead to Christ or girls that I've just been able to help them understand how to be happy for other girls. And it just comes in believing the fact that you are who you are for a reason and God's made you that way. And when you can get a group of women to surround yourself with that are all in the same mindset, I mean, so many powerful things can happen. You're doing what you're doing for a reason, and God has gifted you specifically for what you are doing. And mm-hmm. every time you take a step in that direction, it's a good thing. Yes. I think we lose sight of it really quickly when we've come up against one obstacle for or sure. one person who I tells still do us. It today. Yeah. One yeah. person who's like, maybe, maybe that's not for you. Maybe you <laughs> shouldn't be doing that. I mean, yeah. it is one of the hardest things to walk up. Even when some of the people you're closest to say things in passing, and it's almost like the enemy will take those one little things and, and plant them put it in your brain yes. and, and it's just pushing like it there. A, it's a record. Yes. And it just goes over yes. and over and you're just like, I can't, I shouldn't do anything. Yeah. But when you make the decision to not do anything, when you make the decision to not take a step, you're not just impacting your own life. You're impacting exactly so what others. you said, Sierra. It's all these other women who need you, all these other people yes. who need you and need your voice. Need to hear those perspectives mm-hmm. and those stories. Because mm-hmm. I mean, when you're in the heart of the situation and you have all mm-hmm. the emotions flying, mm-hmm. you don't think straight. Mm-hmm. And having those women that guided me through that and said, girl, you're going to get through this. God is using this to create such a strong light in you. Just keep pushing. Mm-hmm. And if I wouldn't have had those voices continuing to back me up, I don't know where I would be. What would you say to anyone who finds themselves in the heart of that right now? Yeah. So when you sent me this question, I just automatically started typing so many things, but I narrowed it down to three. Um, So first thing is, which I've already said this, but find worth in who you are. And I think the best thing that could have happened was my mom encouraged me to start to start a gratitude journal. And my senior year, every day, I would write three things that I was grateful for that was different from the day before. And instead of having just like a, woe is me attitude when the things were happening. It was, you know what, despite what I'm going through, my life is beautiful. And God has blessed me with an amazing family, with friends who do care about me, and just with just a great life. And it makes you realize what you do have. So instead of trying to be someone else, because I know that is such a struggle if you're in high school right now, or even just any age and you have Instagram, when I see someone else, I'm like, my goodness, you are gorgeous. Your hair looks awesome. Your body is great. I look nothing like you. So that means I'm ugly. And I just always, I mean, I've gone through times. You can ask anyone who's close to me. I've deleted it for months and then I bring it back and I'm like, I'm going to be better this time. But anytime I open it and I just start scrolling, I'm like, my goodness, I haven't reached this point in my life yet. And she's 25 as well. I should be feeling that right now. But that's the fun in it is that God has a completely different story for everyone else. So tip number one is to start a gratitude journal. I don't care if you have a piece of paper right now or your phone and you write it out right now, but whenever you get in that dark place of feeling, you know, I'm not good enough or I don't matter, type out three things in your life that are awesome. It'll, it's an automatic uplifter. Uh, second thing is to surround yourself with friends who love you. I know everyone, you might've had one at one point, but everyone has had a toxic friend or two in their past, or you might have one now. It's so hard to just not, to just give up and just be like, you know, I really want you to like me and I want you to be my friend and I want you to love me, but you make me feel like trash. And I've gone through phases. I still go through phases where I have friends and I'm like, I really don't think I should be friends with you, but I'm still going to keep trying just a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with walking away from a friendship with grace and knowing like, I'm going to continue to pray for you, but you're not good for me in this season right now. So finding those friends who lift you up, 
who make you feel like a thousand bucks or more, whatever you want to feel like. Um, a thousand whatever, bucks sounds good to me. Quantity you yeah, like, maybe you, a you dollar. Do I don't know, a million. Who knows? Um, but whoever those friends are that make you feel your best, keep them around because they're hard to find. Um, and then last thing, I talk to God all day long. I don't just talk to him in my quiet time. He's in my car. People probably think I'm psycho because I'm just moving my mouth and talking to somebody who's not even there, but they can't see him. He's really there. But I just talk to him and have conversations. He's my best friend because he is. And the sooner you can realize that God is for you and God is your friend and he wants you to succeed, the sooner you can understand when you go through those hard things that he's right there with you. He's sitting in your passenger seat. He never left you. He's right by your side holding your hand. He's carrying you through everything. And I don't know, just knowing that he's there just brings such a peace. So the sooner when you're in your good times, start to realize that God's always there, the easier it'll be when you go through your bad times. If you could go back to younger Sierra, knowing what you know now and knowing that you still walked through it with a pretty great mindset because of the people pouring into you. But if you could go back, what would you say to the high school or college Sierra? So I'm excited you ask because it made me reflect and think back more on a deeper level than I ever have. But I think simply put, I wish I could go back and tell myself that life will look nothing like you had planned. And it's not going to be when you're at 25, this is going to happen. You're going to have the perfect job and this and that. But it's going to be so much more beautiful and incredible than you could ever put together. And I wish I could go back and just live day by day, moment by moment, even in those hard times. And know I'm learning something today and not focus so much on what is to come. Now, that did help me get through it. But I mean, a lot of what I went through was a blur. And even in college, I was so excited for the next step. And even my first two years out of college, I was like, I can't wait for whatever's next. And all the things that adults get to do, like pay bills, I can't wait. Um, but And then you become an adult and you're, and you're like, like, I want to oh, back out of this so yeah, hard. Can Give I go back out. to college? <laughs> but I just wish I would have known that you know, you don't have to think about that stuff. You don't have to plan your life out. God has a perfect vision for what your future looks like and you get to live it each day and see the puzzle pieces slowly come together. And don't you wonder what would it look like if we more lived in the exact moment we were in instead of thinking about the moment we want to be in Mm -hmm. or the moment we're afraid might happen Mm -hmm. or Or all the things you have to do that day. Exactly. Like what would it be like to live a present life and just every day you were in the moment as it comes and not stressing and getting upset or, you know, wanting something to happen. Like if you were just, I'm happy with what's happening right now, where I am exactly. exactly. And just keep moving forward. So we end every episode with one question. This is, it stumps everyone. And everyone looks at me like they didn't know it was coming every time, (laughs) even though it's always on the list. What is one thing that you are so happy that someone did tell you about? What are you super into right now? Yes. And feel free to laugh at me. If people are still with us, please laugh at me because (laughs) I just now discovered this, but the Chick-fil-A app. Do you it have is it? It is a dream. So it is. I didn't I get never it. wait on anything yeah, anymore. No. And I'm like, as if Chick-fil-A wasn't efficient and fast enough, they came up with an app that you pull in a parking spot, you click that you're there, and they just magically walk out with the they food. Just bring it out. You're not waiting in line. You don't yeah. even have to go in. I'm telling you, I used to think these apps were dumb. Yeah, I remember being I like, I never this is just them. something extra to do. I don't yes. care. I don't, I don't have need the space it. on my phone. Yep, yep. But the Chick-fil-A app and the Dunkin' app yep. are the two things that like have to live on my phone. It must be there. It is. We'll the, delete photos for the I, Chick-fil-A exactly. app. Exactly. <laughs> like, I don't need any of these memories anymore. I yep. just need to be able to get Chick-fil-A yep. and iced coffee. I love so much of your willingness and your excitement to share your story because of what it can do for other people. And 
I just never want anyone to underestimate the value of their stories. And sure. I love that you're willing to share it. Yes, of course. I mean, God gave me this story, and if you have one, share it too. Okay, let's start with Bayef Lessons. Let's do it. All right, I'm all about it. I love ending every episode telling you how thankful I am for you, that you would take your time to listen to what we're trying to do here. So if you loved it, or even if you have feedback, I want to hear about it. You can either hop on over to iTunes and leave us a review, or you can just DM me on social media. Usually I'm on Instagram the most. It's at C-E-Holla. And again, I love hearing from you guys. So make sure you either write a review or send me a DM, which always seems a little bit desperate asking for it. But here I am asking anyways. Thanks again for tuning in.